Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thank you for joining us for Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Jessica Dolmel, and I'm part of the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. We're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, from the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle all the way down to the Rio Grande Valley. Taking an early look at crop insurance claims for cotton in the Texas Panhandle. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. A $4 billion USDA investment to strengthen America's food system. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Hurricane season is here, and the Valley onion harvest comes to a close. Those stories and more in today's report. We'll have those stories, news from Washington, Texas Wildlife News, and a complete look at the markets coming up. After receiving more than three feet of rain since April 30th, farmers and ranchers in parts of Calhoun County near the Texas coast have been battling a number of issues. Dan Nunley, Calhoun County Farm Bureau President, joins us with more. The mosquitoes are horrendous. Some have even used airplane to spray their area for their cattle to keep the insects off of them. The cattle just walk downwind fighting mosquitoes until they hit the fence and then they just congregate there. The pastures are flooded. The grass, I've got high ground, so I've got some grass that's very good and doing fine. But I've got other grass that's been standing in water for almost a month and it's sired and it's going to be gone. I'll have to reestablish itself coming out of all this rain. Corn, cotton, grain sorghum, and soybeans are in the ground in that area right now. Nunley doesn't grow soybeans, and there's not very many in the county, but the ones that are there have had too much water. As for the cotton, the condition depends on where it was planted. Where cotton is on well-drained soil, is doing good. It's moving forward, squaring, and fixing to start blooming within the week. It has stood underwater and the water's gone down and we're having to use picks to restrict the growth on it to make it fruit more and not grow so much. Otherwise, it'll be six foot tall and nothing on it. The insects, surprisingly, are staying under control quite well as far as is your bugs on the cotton. The cotton in the lower, not as well-drained stuff is starting to hurt real bad. It's turning yellow, growth-restricted. Some of us had water standing on it for weeks, and it's not growing anymore, and it has gone dormant until it dries out. Once it dries out, it'll take off, but it's going to be late compared to the rest of the field. And these are the low places in the field that you see. When you drive by them and see the cotton just out in those low places, it's back down to six inches tall, where the rest of it's two foot tall. That was Dan Nunley of Calhoun County. Cotton conditions vary across the Texas panhandle. James Hunt reports from Amarillo. We've heard a few gloomy reports about cotton lately, so I checked in with Rachel Myers of Myers Crop Insurance in Claude, and what she's seeing is kind of a mixed bag across the Texas panhandle. We've thankfully had a lot of moisture recently in areas, but even across the panhandle, we are still seeing a lot of you know, differences in those rainfall totals, even just county to county. And then for some people, you know, there's still 
to dry. So we have received some claims over on the Western Panhandle. I'm going to be more in the Palmer County area, Deaf Smith County, just due to lack of rainfall over there on dry land cotton. But then when you start moving back towards Amarillo and East, we've actually had excess rainfall claims on some cotton. So it's a little bit of everything. So a variety of reasons for claims to have been made, but in terms of the overall volume... I don't feel like we've had as large of a claims run yet as we have had in some past years because a lot of the crop is up. And that's a key point, as in massive drought years like last year, a lot of cotton crop failures occur in situations where the crop never emerges. And with some cotton still to be planted in our area, hopefully we'll soon be talking about a lot of healthy cotton out there. Now here's a quick note regarding the recently concluded session of the Texas legislature. David Gibson of Texas Corn Producers has good news on legislation that failed. Luckily, we didn't see any water bills pertaining to the Ogallala Pass that will do any harm or change anything of how we're operating up here on the High Plains. Gibson says there was some legislation that could have imposed new restrictions, but again, those efforts were defeated. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A multi-billion dollar investment has been made to strengthen America's food system. Tom Nicoletti has the story. U.S. Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack outlined plans for the investment of $4 billion into the Build Back Better initiative. Today, we are announcing the first of a number of steps designed to address the current supply chain challenge and also to begin that transformational change. Over $4 billion to be invested in order to help build back the system better. This complements a nearly billion-dollar investment that we announced last week in food purchases under our emergency food programs, launching an effort to provide more nutritious food uh, to rural and remote areas and working uh, with socially disadvantaged producers. The money we invest today uh, will be invested in four main categories, focused on production resiliency, processing resiliency, distribution and aggregation resiliency, and markets and consumer benefits. In the food production area, We hope to make this system more resilient by continuing to build on our efforts at attracting beginning farmers. By providing transition assistance, significant transition assistance, as those who wish to transition to a more value-added proposition are able to do so without necessarily being economically penalized. And assistance as well for those who work on our farm fields and in our manufacturing and processing facilities. On the processing side, We hope to be able to provide resources to improve existing small and mid-sized processing facilities, be able to cope and manage uh, with the current challenges they face as a result of COVID. But we also want to take a look at creating a a pilot, a new opportunity for the federal government to partner with state and local governments to see whether or not there is an opportunity to expand with new processing facilities and capacity in order to make our system more resilient. In the food distribution and aggregation area, we look to be able to expand and increase the number of food hubs, particularly uh, those that will operate in high poverty areas. Uh, We look to work with our food banks and and those involved to develop cooperative agreements between food banks and producers so that we create additional market opportunities for small and mid-sized producers. And we hope to see an expansion uh, of food banks in underserved areas. 
In the market area, we hope to increase the availability of access to healthy foods with these resources, including incentives to support food that is generated and developed in a fair and healthy system. That is Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Hurricane season is here. Jim Hearn has more. And one thing that everyone agrees on, it's going to be another active year. Well, what's still debatable, though, is what are the final numbers going to look like? Well, some are predicting 14 to 20 storms, 8 to 12 hurricanes, and 3 to 5 major hurricanes. That would be a Category 3 or higher. Now, the Gulf of Mexico has already spun up its first tropical system, except it was not named. The system was still intensifying, though, as it made landfall on the Upper Coast and Louisiana, which tells you that the Gulf is plenty warm to support any system. Well, up until mid-May, the valley had seen very little rainfall for the year. Three and a third inches of rain in McAllen, but from mid-May to the end of the month, the valley received 10 to 12 inches of rain. And that put a quick end to the onion season. Many fields of onions were left in deep mud, and the onions just rotted. Watermelon fields have also been impacted, but it's a little early to see what that damage uh, has occurred. Row crops, both irrigated, dry land, got a free irrigation with the rain. We have valley cotton from blooming stage to square and everywhere in between. The corn crop is... Uh, well, facing a battle with a corn earworm and soybean midge, well, affecting many of our sorghum fields. Winds of 100 mile per hour plus were recorded with some of those thunderstorms that moved through at mid-month. You know, that's a Category 2 hurricane, although we don't count those. The range country looking very good right now. A lot of calves are being born. Stock tanks are full and cattle conditions, they look good too. Lake Falcon and Amistad also welcome the rains. Both reservoirs boosted by that runoff. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. The Optimizing the Cattle Market Act of 2021 introduced in the U.S. House of Representatives Tuesday seeks to change cattle market dynamics. Introduced by Missouri Republican Representative Vicki Hartzler, the legislation would direct the Agriculture Department to create a cattle formula contracts library and increase the reporting window for cattle committed from 7 to 14 days. The measures, according to the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, would increase transparency in the industry and improve the opportunity for robust price discovery. The legislation also reiterates the need for expedited reauthorization of USDA's Livestock Mandatory Reporting Program. NCBA Vice President of Government Affairs Ethan Lane said something needs to give, referencing market volatility and a shifting regulatory landscape. It is sea turtle week, and there are several things you can do to help endangered sea turtles along the Texas coast. We'll have that story coming up. Texans should vaccinate their dogs for leptospirosis. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. 
We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. There was an outbreak of leptospirosis in Maricopa County, Arizona dogs several years ago, and Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd says Texans should vaccinate their dogs for the disease. Leptospirosis is a bacterial disease, and the bacteria are maintained in the kidney of infected animals and are shed in the urine. Transmission occurs when another animal comes in contact with the urine containing the bacteria through a braided skin or ingestion. And the disease causes mild to severe disease that can affect the kidney and liver, but in most cases the disease is severe, is expensive to treat, and can cause permanent organ damage. The unusual factor about this report from Arizona is the location as Maricopa County covers the Phoenix and Scottsdale area, which is a desert area with high temperatures, low humidity, and only about 10 inches of rainfall a year. This is not the typical environment for the bacteria lepto, as it usually is found in wet areas that pool water and around streams and creeks, and this is certainly not the environment in Maricopa County. For five years prior to this outbreak, only one case per year of leptospirosis was diagnosed in Arizona dogs. But in 2016, one boarding facility and one household reported over 50 cases of leptospirosis. Because this disease can be so contagious and severe and can even be transmitted to people, I believe all Texas dogs should be vaccinated for lepto. Because if it can occur in a desert area like Arizona, it certainly can occur in Texas, and it does, as we see several cases a year in our practice. Some vets don't recommend vaccinating for lepto, especially in small dogs, because of potential reactions. However, the newer vaccines are less reactive, and small pets may be the most susceptible as they are lower to the ground and more likely to encounter urine from wild animals. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It is Sea Turtle Week, and in recognition, I recently caught up with Wendy Knight, the CEO of Sea Turtle Inc. on South Padre Island. Knight says visitors to the Texas coast and people who live there should be mindful of sea turtles, not just this time of year when they're nesting, but all year round. One of the biggest things that you can do to protect sea turtles is, for example, if you are a boat owner or a fisher, that you are aware as you're boating through the Laguna Madre that you don't strike a turtle. Or if you are fishing, that you're responsible with your supplies and your lines, that you're not using netting that is illegal. And as a result of the response we got from boat owners and charters around South Padre Island, Sea Turtle Inc. has seen such an increase and improvement in the number of boating and fishermen that are reporting entanglements or lost hooks or injured turtles from boat strikes. We're getting word faster. They're hyper aware now of their responsibility when they're on the water from people on foot. It's just being basically responsible. It's putting away your trash. It's covering up holes and things that you put in the beach before you turn it in for the night. It's throwing away and recycling your plastics and your straws and your paper. Anything that you leave on the beach will ultimately end up in the tide in the ocean. And if turtles see it in the water, they're going to assume it's food. And anything you can do to make sure that the only thing that ends up in the water is organisms and things that belong in the water is the biggest individual impact a person can have on the sea turtle population. That was Wendy Knight from Sea Turtle, Inc. 
Higher than normal grain prices have put downward pressure on feeder cattle futures on and off for the past few weeks, and tight supplies have been impacting lean hog futures. How did things wrap up Wednesday? Well, we'll take a look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it here on Texas Ag Today. Did you know that one out of every three mouthfuls of food we eat is produced by insect pollination, most of which is done by bees? In fact, bees are vitally important to food production. That's why modern agriculture is working with beekeepers to promote bee health. Ensuring a sustainable food supply requires each of us to play our part in preserving the land and protecting pollinators. This public service announcement is brought to you by Syngenta. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Uncertainty in the grain markets continues to weigh on cattle futures. Live cattle for June up 67 cents to 117.40 Wednesday. Live cattle for August up 45 cents to 118.27. Live cattle for October up a nickel to 123.97. With corn and wheat futures higher Wednesday, that pushed feeder cattle prices lower. Feeder cattle for August down 97 cents to 148.27. Feeder cattle for September down a dollar 20 to 150.75. Feeder cattle for October down a dollar 32 to 152.92. Box beef prices were higher Wednesday. Choice up 88 cents to 339 dollars and 49 cents. Select up a dollar 82 to 308 dollars. Now let's check the livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear cattle, it's time to head to Three Rivers, talk to Riley Rhodes. Light week here in Texas because of rain. Riley, how about your outfit? 588 head today. Had just a, a few pairs. 850 to 1300 on those. Uh, bread cows, 725 up to 1200. Uh, Packer cows, they put uh, four to eight. Uh, dollars on them uh, uh, by the pound. Uh, the high-yielding cows brought 80 to 86. Breakers and heavy boners 74 to 82. Canners 56 to 64. Uh, bulls the same uh, same story on them 92 to a dollar up on the high-yielding bulls. Uh, 72 to 92 on the low to medium-yielding bulls. Two to three weight choice steers 160 to 184. Heifer mates uh, 138 to 156. Three to four weight choice steers 156 to 174. Heifer mates 136 to 150. Four to five weight choice steers 164 up to 180. Heifer mates 134 to 148. Five to six weight choice steers 160. 54 to 170, heifer mates 130 to 144, 6 to 7 weight choice steers 142 to 160, heifer mates 120 to 136, uh, 7 to 8 weight cattle, the choice steers 122 to 136, and the heifer mates 110 to 122. But I quoted uh, you know, packer cows and bulls 4 to 8 higher, They're lighter weight calves uh, 4 to 12 higher, some of them maybe a little bit more than that, kind of the heavy calves and yearlings uh, 3 to 10 higher. Uh, rain sure makes a difference. Right. What do you think the possibilities will be like next week? Well, it looks like you're going to dry out this week a little bit and have some good weather uh, to work cattle. I know of 100 cows coming off of one place uh, if they can get them out which it looks like they're going to uh, be some pairs and some red cows on them another 60 uh, cows from another spot uh, that uh, kind of the same story there then a couple sets of yearlings and bigger strings of calves and yearlings so i expect you know probably get back up there 1200 for next monday tell everybody how to contact your riley roads 361-813-6650 is a cell 361-786-2553 is the office liveoaklivestock.com is the web neighbor that's it for walking the pins a production of the texas farm bureau radio network i'm larry marble thanks so much for listening tight supplies stronger domestic demand and solid exports to china 
continue to weigh on lean hog futures. Lean hogs for June up $1.25 to $121.95. Lean hogs for July down 30 cents to $121.50. Class 3 milk for June up 10 cents to $17.12 a hundredweight. Class 3 milk for July up 9 cents to $17.55 a hundredweight. And we are awaiting a new U.S. Department of Agriculture report for cotton. Cotton for July up 148 points Wednesday to 86.62. Cotton for October up 165 points to 88.18. Cotton for December up 135 points to 87.34. Corn for July up 10 and three quarters to 690 and three quarters. Corn for September up four to 632 even. Corn for December up a quarter to 609 and three quarters as we await the result of the Brazilian corn harvest. Hard red wheat for July up three and a quarter to 635 and three quarters. Hard red wheat for September up two and three quarters to 643 and a quarter. Soybeans for July down 17 and a half Wednesday to 1562 and a half. Soybeans for November down eight and three quarters to 1448 and a quarter. Natural gas for July up a penny to 314. Natural gas for August up a penny to 315. After hitting $70 a barrel on Tuesday, crude oil settled lower just below that $70 mark on Wednesday. Crude oil for July down 30 cents to 69.75. Crude oil for August down 30 cents to 69.57. By the way, when it hit that $70 a barrel mark on Tuesday, that was the first time it's been above $70 a barrel since October of 2018. Experts say energy demand is growing as more and more people become vaccinated and diminishing social distancing requirements, of course, is weighing in on that. And there's been an uptick as a result of both of those things in travel, which, of course, is increasing demand for gas and for jet fuel. Now let's look at the financial markets. The Dow down 84 points Wednesday to 34,519. The S&P 500 down a quarter of a point to 4,227. The Nasdaq up 17 points to 13,942. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Remember, we'll be right here next time to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel. I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.